You are listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. And here on our second ever episode, we'll be talking about one of my absolute favorite monsters, the slimy, sinister, psychic slaboleth. Aboleth. It's an aboleth. You can find the Aboleth on page 13 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. It is a CR-10 aberration. So the concept here is that it's basically like a Cthuloid fish monster. Uh, it is highly intelligent. It is highly alien. It's got tentacles. It's got psychic powers. Uh, it's notable because it's got sort of three eyes right in the center of its head. And it's got a number of abilities. Uh, it says it's amphibious. Uh, it can sort of spew a mucus cloud around it that spreads this sort of aquatic disease uh, it's got telepathy, it's got mind reading, it's got tentacle attacks, like you'd assume, but they also spread a similar but not exactly the same disease. And then it's got this enslave ability, which allows it to basically make thralls three times per day. It is also a legendary monster that has both legendary actions and lair actions and regional effects. The only interesting one of the legendary actions is the psychic drain, which basically lets it pull life force from the people it has charmed and heal itself. The lair actions and regional effects are pretty basic. It's got a Phantasmal Force thing. It can do some water control. It's got a weird, like, astral projection ability that it can, like, send a vision of itself up to a certain distance away from its lair. So, yeah, that's the Aboleth. There's a lot to cover today, and we'll, we'll try to get it all in under the wire. Let's talk about the history of the Aboleth. So the Aboleth first appeared in an adventure by Zeb Cook in 1981 called I-1 Dwellers of the Forbidden City. Its first actual appearance in a Monster Manual was in Monster Manual 2, which was in 1983 for AD&D. It has since appeared in every subsequent edition. It's pretty much the same. They've kind of like added abilities as it's gone on. It's always had those three eyes, which I think is cool. It's always kind of spread the disease. The psychic power seems to be something that they added in later. They're not really found in the earlier editions. But it's basically always an, a sinister underwater creature. It is present in Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms, Eberron, and Dragonlands, but it doesn't really make a huge indent in Spelljammer or Dark Sun, or really in the other settings. They're always kind of relegated to the background, which, which is kind of a shame because I think they could be a really central pillar to world building or campaign design. In Eberron, they are sort of lumped in with the Children of Kyber and the Lords of Dust. If the Rakshasas and stuff are the, the demons of the land, then the Aboleths are sort of the demons of the sea. Pretty basic. In FR, there's a little bit more development. In 4th edition, they added the idea that they came from the Far Realm, which is basically the extraplanar source of all sort of Lovecraftian aberrant horror. In FR, Aboleths dwell in these underwater cities, one of which is just called the Shape of Water, weirdly. But there's also this cool thing called the Abolethic Sovereignty, which is pretty boss. And they have a flying city called Jifu, which is spelt much weirder than it sounds. So that's the history of the Aboleth. There hasn't been as much development as I would like for what I think is a really interesting monster. Let's talk about the cool things about the Aboleth, of which there are many. In case you couldn't already tell, 
I love Aboleths. Cosmic horror, especially sort of oceanic cosmic horror, is really my jam. So I'm obviously predisposed to like the Aboleth. But despite that, despite my like just general affinity for this kind of a, a spooky aberrant monster, I do think that they are a particularly well-designed monster with a lot of interesting facets and some good lore and good tone. I particularly love the way it deals with these like different disease effects, like the mucus cloud. If you fail your constitution save, then you are diseased for 24 hours, and a diseased creature can only breathe water, which I think is really interesting because it creates this weird problem where now the, the character has to stay underwater the entire time. The tentacle attack is a little bit more complicated. If it hits you, you make a saving throw, and if you fail, then you're diseased. It's cool. It has no effect for one minute, but then after one minute, the diseased creature's skin becomes translucent and slimy, and they can't regain hit points unless they're underwater, and the disease can be removed only by heal or another disease curing spell at 6th level or higher. So you have this little window of time in which you could get it before the infection spreads. But then again, it's this very strange problem because now you're stuck presumably in some underground cave or underground river or lake or something. And one of your characters basically has to live in the water and become a fish creature, which I think is really cool. Yeah, when they're outside a body of water, they take 1d12 acid damage every 10 minutes, unless moisture is applied to the skin before 10 minutes have passed. So you have to constantly be hydrating the infected character, which I think is just fascinating. Super, super interesting. I love any ability that attacks something besides a character's hit points, right? And the weirder, the better. I think this is an especially weird one that's really iconic. No other monster does this. No other monster even kind of plays with this idea of, of like, binding you to water specifically. You know, it's just really interesting and innovative and cool. They have this throwaway ability here called probing telepathy that I love and it's just one sentence. It just says, if a creature communicates telepathically with the Aboleth, the Aboleth learns the creature's greatest desires if the Aboleth can see the creature. Which is awesome, right? What I love about that is it immediately makes the character have to choose what their greatest desire is, right? Maybe that's something the Dungeon Master comes up with, but I love the role-playing hook there, right? That it makes the player consider, oh no, what is the thing I desire most? And now instantly the Aboleth knows it. There's no saving throw involved in that. They just know it. And it suddenly gives the Aboleth this poker chip that it can kind of use in negotiation, right? And I think the lore for the Aboleth is pretty good, too. The 5th edition Monster Manual talks about how they have flawless memories, which is really interesting if you think about how old Aboleths are presented to be. They're basically described as being these, like, precursors to the gods, right? That, like, they lurked in primordial oceans and underground lakes, and the uh, the true gods appeared and destroyed their empire and freed their slaves, and the Aboleths never forgot. So they have always existed in the deep places of the world, scheming and plotting these ancient beings that remember everything that has ever happened with perfect clarity. Like, what a perfect villain that is. You know, it's like a time abyss. It's like a great way to tie the ancient history of your world to modern-day events with a character that has existed for the entire time and has been plotting for the entire time and also is a giant gross fish monster. <laughs> like, it's perfect. It's a 10 out of 10. That said, there are a few things that I don't love about the Aboleth, and we're going to talk about those next. Now, as much as I love all the kind of strange disease abilities the Aboleth has, they are kind of decentralized in a weird way. So you have the mucus cloud, right, which is basically like an aura around the Aboleth. And then you have the tentacle attack, which is, you know, an attack with a saving throw afterwards. And then you have the enslave ability. And they all they all do different things, but they're kind of subtly different. You know, that the mucus cloud means you can only breathe underwater, 
and the tentacle attack turns your skin the translucent where you take acid damage if you're out of the water and then enslave means you're charmed by the aboleth and it kind of feels like there maybe there should be some centralization the the point is possibly to try to break it up into these different things so you might get one or two of them but it, it's hard to envision any character really falling for all three of those I wonder if there's like a way to consolidate some of those abilities, right? That like, if you begin to fail one of these saving throws, then it starts you down this track of the slow transformation, rather than having to stack all three of them in order to become a sort of servitor of the Abola. Speaking of servitors, let's talk about them a little bit. In the lore, there have been a couple different creatures that have similar style abilities. They were originally, when I started playing, they were called the Scum, which is S-K-U-M. And they're this whole different monster, but they're basically like humanoids that the Aboleth has infected and transformed into its supplicants. And they've popped in and out of edition since, and they are now officially back in 5e, but they're kind of very different, and they're not really quite what I like about them. It's sort of that scum versus Kowatua question as to which one better serves the Aboleth. I kind of think you need one or the other. I, I think it might be a more interesting origin for the Kowatua to have them directly tied to the Aboleths. Because it's just, it's messy right now. Like, are they scum? Are they not scum? Was a Kowatua originally a human that was infected by Aboleth disease? Like, that seems more interesting to me than, like, unrelatedly also these frog people. The second thing is they make mention of this fascinating idea about the Aboleth consuming people, in quotes, and, like, gaining all their knowledge. Like, another way to make this this villain be hyper-intelligent, right, is that it can, like, absorb the memories and knowledge and lore of the people that it consumes but the weird thing is that, like, nowhere in the text does it say anything about them consuming creatures, right? They don't they don't seem to have that ability. So do they eat people? Like, that's never discussed here. And so what does that mean? I think it's a fascinating concept, but it doesn't go anywhere. This is a, another quibble, but, like, the 5e art, which I don't like as much as some previous editions, the Aboleth has this, like, big toothy maw with these, like, rows of teeth, but then it doesn't have a bite attack. How exactly are they supposed to consume people? Honestly, like, them having some weird ability where they, like, subsume you like an ooze or something is cooler than them just, like, nom, 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 biting you. So many creatures have a bite attack. I don't think the Aboleth needs a bite attack, but then maybe don't give it a big toothy maw. In, in previous editions, they just have these very strange alien fish faces, right, that, like, maybe it survives by eating psychic energy or something. The notion that it just chomps on you. I don't know. It's not a piranha. Right? It's a different monster. So I'm not crazy about that. I would like more clarity on what consuming someone means. Lastly, I think the legendary actions and the layer actions and the regional effects are kind of hit or miss. I think the legendary actions are particularly bad, especially right out the monster manual. These legendary actions are just very flat. There's like a detect, you know, like, ooh, it makes a perception check. Like, who gives a shit about that, right? Like, it's got a, the psychic drain is pretty cool, but it's like a tail attack and a perception check. I'm like, eh, I don't care. The lair actions are a little better. Phantasmal Force is pretty cool and feels on brand. I'm not crazy about it having, like, water control abilities. I don't really know where that comes from. So the Grasping Tide one kind of bores me. The third one is interesting. It's not very clear exactly what is going on in this power. Water in the Abolesque Lair magically becomes a conduit for the creature's rage. Basically, anyone in the water has to make a wisdom save or take psychic damage, which is kind of cool that it's like a pulse that it sends out, but I feel like psychic damage is a little boring. I wonder if maybe you would have disadvantage on saving throws or you're briefly charmed by the Aboleth. Like, the fact that there's no charm ability really anywhere in here. Phantasmal Force, sort of, right? And then in terms of regional effects, I think that the, you know, things are slimy and wet. Sure, that's fine. Water sources within one mile of the lair are supernaturally fouled. 
enemies of the Aboleth that drink such water vomit it within minutes. I think that's really interesting. But it's crazy to me that it doesn't infect you, right? Like, if you redesigned the Aboleth sickness to be an actual disease, kind of like they did in 4th edition, then that might be a great way to set it up. Like, it's already starting to happen before the characters meet the Aboleth, right? Which is ostensibly the whole point of a regional effect, that it's this, like, harbinger of a great evil as you get closer. If the characters confront the Aboleth and they're already half-turned-into monsters... That's much more dramatic. And, and I don't know. I'm not super crazy about the, like, the Aboleth can make an illusory image of itself within one mile of its lair. Like, I don't want to see a weird hologram of the Aboleth before I actually see it, right? What's cool about, like, the Watcher in the Water in Fellowship of the Ring is that you don't really get a good look at it, right? Not until the final moment there. I think something like this is cool. I would say give it the dream ability, right? The spell, that it, it can affect people's dreams within one mile of its lair. So that way, when you're moving closer and you're already kind of infected, it's now appearing to you in your visions, and it's making those visions look like whatever it wants to entice you to do whatever it wants, right? That's much more interesting to me than a copy of itself appears, like, you know, David Bowie in Flight of the Concords. I, I don't know. That just seems kind of bleh to me. So what are three ways we could improve the Aboleth if we have some of these, these gripes about it? First of all, I think, like I said, you could consolidate its disease into one persistent effect, right? Maybe with different stages, kind of like in fourth edition. Maybe when you initially get infected, you know, your skin gets all weird. And then eventually the next stage of it is that you can only breathe underwater. And then the next stage of it is that you're enslaved by the Aboleth, right? Maybe you could say that if, it, if you breathe in the mucus, cloud that's what advances it or if you get hit with a tentacle rather than having them be three different things they're all kind of like steps on the way to this final horrible transformation potentially into a koatua secondly i would find some way i guess it's in the legendary action but i would find some way to codify the notion of the aboleth like consuming its victims right like maybe the point is that it, it unlike an illithid which eats a brain an aboleth like eats a mind once the aboleth eats your mind then you become one of these weird servitors that might be kind of a cool way to do it that like the charm effect is really just the aboleth slowly eating away your will and once it gets kind of to the bottom of your intelligence or your will or whatever then it knows everything you know and you are just like a thrall you know that serves it that could be kind of cool and lastly yeah i i putts with the layer actions and regional effects a little bit i think make the fouled water kind of begin the infection i would allow the ableth to play with the character's dreams and I would give it some kind of a layer action that has to do with charming everyone briefly. Fantastical Force is kind of like that, but I would want something a little bit more explicit. And that's our second episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm curious, uh, how do you use Aboleths in your campaign? Do you run them straight out of the Monster Manual? Have you made any of your own homebrew tweaks? Feel free to leave a comment below. It's a three-for-one deal next week, because we'll be talking about angels. Both the Deva, the Planetar, and the Solar are up next. Until then, thanks for listening, stay out of the water, and happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at XPWebSeries. And if you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. For $1 a month, you get access not only to early episodes of this show, but also to brand new homebrew monsters every weekday. You can find us at patreon.com slash XPWebSeries. That's the letters X, P, Web Series. 
The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.